0: Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the reading of God's word. Thanks, Hannah, for reading the scripture today. It's also good to see you all the way in the front. (laughs) It's kind of strange. But... um... You know, Every time you do something and see people in the same week, every week, sitting in the same places, you kind of get used to it, and so it's, it's always a nice to kind of shift things around. Uh, anyway, so we're looking here in the Gospel of Luke, and it's, it's interesting because um, if you remember, I, I think when I got sick and I wasn't able to make it on a Sunday, Pastor James actually looked at this passage really briefly. Um, I had actually planned to do this passage for the rest of the summer. And to kind of look at this in a series over the summer as we are busy with the, the summer schedule and so on and so forth. But um, I thought, nevertheless, I um, want to emphasize a couple of points here as we begin thinking about um, the church and, and ourselves and, and our lives. But basically, you already know this story. You've heard it before. I've, I've preached it before as well. Um, it's a very famous passage about two sisters, Martha and Mary. And it's a great account uh, with a lot of lessons, actually, if you look very carefully. And that's why we're going to spend the next few weeks looking at this passage, because it's packed with teaching. Um, another reason this passage is, is great and always great to look at is because it's very unique. You know that no other gospel except Luke has this account of Martha and Mary, uh, as you hear these uh, two sisters working together. I've only got two points to you for today. Uh, hopefully they're practical enough. Two Ps, right? There's something in here I want to talk about about priority. There's something about priorities here. And secondly, there's something about prayer. Priority and prayer. Those are only two things here that I'm going to look at today, and that is what we see in this passage. So I'd like to ask you, but start asking yourself this question. If you could relate with any of these two women, either of them, which one would you more relate with? Which one would you be? Are you a Mary, or are you a Martha? All right. That's the thing to look at. Because this passage, we're told very briefly in verse 38, here they're along the way, Jesus and the disciples, and Jesus on the road, and for the next six months, that's where he is. He's on the road all the way to the last week of his life in Jerusalem till he gets to that place on the hill where he's going to give his life away. He's going to go from town to town, village to village, teaching and preaching about who he is, and he sends out people ahead of him to do the same, to let people know that he's coming to their town. And sometimes people listened, and sometimes... He was received, and sometimes they didn't. And he was rejected. Um, and so they're going along with Jesus, as verse 38 says. They were moving and traveling along, and he gets to this village. And even though the passage doesn't tell us, we assume that this village is probably Bethany. How do I know this? Because in the Gospel of John, that's where Mary and Martha live. Now, when you hear this story about Mary and Martha, uh, oftentimes what you hear is that it's usually Mary that's the good one and seems like Jesus' favorite, and Martha, the older sister, usually gets the bad rap. Right, They have Jesus come to their house, They're in, uh, you know, Martha's in the kitchen, Jesus, uh, Mary's not, He's, she's sitting with Jesus, and, and you know how the story goes. Martha gets upset, says, well, Jesus, why don't you tell her to help me in the kitchen? And uh, it seems like Jesus rebukes her for that. And so usually the, uh, it's Martha that gets, kind of gets the bad rap, and it's unfortunate, because one thing for sure, Jesus loved Martha and Mary just as well, the same. So look at Martha, let me look at Martha very quickly, okay? Here, Jesus is on the road, and I want you to notice this. It was Martha who welcomes Jesus into her home. She probably heard Jesus was on the way, so she's the one that goes out to meet him. Did you know Martha in Aramaic literally means mistress? Probably means that she's the master of her house. She's the hostess. It's her house, which probably also means that there's no husband mentioned here, so that probably means either she was single or maybe more likely a widow. She's also most likely to be the oldest because oftentimes when the Bible mentions two people, the the oldest is mentioned first. So constantly, it's Martha and Mary. But here's the point. It wasn't Mary, but it was Martha who welcomes Jesus. It was the older sister who welcomes Jesus to her home. And the words that the Bible uses for welcome, they're big words. It literally means to embrace, to receive, to entertain as a guest. In other words, Martha has the gift of hospitality and she was happy to have him both in fact were very excited to have Jesus come over not just Mary but both Martha and Mary were excited and both of them believed Jesus Christ how do I know this because in verse 40 how does Martha address Jesus she says Lord Lord the Greek word is Kyrios, Lord you see I think these two sisters were women of faith and both had, at some point, embraced the truth that Jesus was the Lord. But it was Martha, not Mary, Martha, who rushed to take the initiative. And that tells you something about this Martha. She's not only hospitable, she takes initiative. She's a doer. And like many older siblings, she gets things done. And so it's unfortunate that Martha sometimes kind of gets the bad rap in our past, because she's not bad She's actually good. She's a woman of faith. She's hospitable, she takes initiative, and she gets things done. I mean, what more could you ask for? But here in this one instance, we are shown where Martha, and many of us who are like Martha, we need to pause and reflect a little bit because we're told in verse 39, almost in passing, verse 39, she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. That's the only thing you hear about Mary in this passage. It's a rather light mention, and it doesn't tell much about who this Mary is. Nothing really. We're not told about what she looks like, her temperament. We don't know anything about her personality. All we know about her is that when Jesus came to her house, we're told that she was listening to the Lord's words seated at his feet. That's all we know. She listened to the word. That word, listen, is is a continual word. It's constantly listening, ongoing. She was probably at Jesus' feet, intently listening to every word that Jesus was saying, and that's it, right? Now, just as an aside, you already probably know this, you've heard this, but to sit at someone's feet meant that you're sitting under someone's authority. It meant, like, usually you're a student or a disciple sitting under the teaching of a teacher, but that weird thing is, in Jesus' time, in Jewish culture, Women didn't have that privilege. Some rabbis, did you know this? Some rabbis said that it was useless to teach women. Rabbis never allowed this to happen. They might let a woman learn from the back of the room or in the section labeled women only, but never at their feet. And so the phrase at his feet literally means she was alongside of as close as she could possibly get, as near as she could be to Jesus. So here's Mary going against conventional wisdom. She doesn't care. She wanted to get close to Jesus and to listen to him. And Jesus, being countercultural, so to speak, doesn't send her away to the kitchen with Martha like Martha wanted. He affirms her. And he affirms all women, for that matter, in what she was doing. And he tells Martha in verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. Right? Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen the good portion. You know that word good? It's a superlative. It doesn't just mean good, it means best. What was it that Mary was doing? What was the one thing in that moment that Jesus calls necessary and good? Not just good, best, that it won't be taken away from her. Mary sat at Jesus' feet. She wanted to get closer to Jesus. You know what this means about Mary? She's relational. She's relational. She wanted to spend time with Jesus. And so, you know, the story goes, Martha gets upset. Verse 40, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve all alone in the kitchen? I'm trying to prepare this meal. I'm trying to prepare all this for you. She's just sitting there doing nothing except listening. Tell her to help me. Martha's frustrated. Don't you care? Tell her to help me. And notice, this is where things get a little awkward, right? Because you know, you don't mess with big sister. She speaks her mind. She's the doer, right? She's frustrated. She's not just frustrated at Mary, she's frustrated at Jesus. And she lets it go. Remember, Martha's a doer. I'm serving you, Jesus. I'm trying to serve you. I'm doing this for you. And Mary's not doing anything. Don't you care? Now think about this. Jesus is the guest, and she's rebuking Jesus. I mean, who does she think she's talking to? The Lord of the universe, the Savior of the world, the Son of God, who cared enough to give his life for many, die on a cross for sinners because he loved them enough, though they hated him. And she has the balls to ask, don't you care? The Son of God doesn't care? Jesus doesn't care? But Martha's irritated. And here comes the rebuke, right? Verse 41, and it begins with this word, but. But the Lord answered her. Martha Martha you are anxious about many things trouble about many things but one thing is necessary and Martha Mary has chosen the good portion Jesus says that Martha was distracted right and you might think how is she distracted she's focused Martha's laser focused on getting the things done that needs to be done she's a doer and she's trying to do a good thing and she's trying to get it finished but Luke says she's not focused She's distracted. The word distracted literally means you are pulled away, dragged away from something or someone important. When you're distracted, it means you're pulled away from something really important to maybe something less important. And that, my friends, is the issue of priority. Okay? That's the first P. Priority. I want us to think about this, okay? It's an important word. Priority. Prioritize. Very common word in our time, and we use it and we do it all the time to try and create, whether intentionally or not, some kind of pecking order in terms of things we need to be committed to in order to get done. We have books and conferences on prioritizing and how to set priorities in our busy, sort of multifaceted lives that helps us to organize our lives. So when we say priority, we usually mean that important thing, that main thing, what is most necessary? But let's look at the word very carefully. Priority comes from the word prior, which means before, or ahead of, or preceding. So a priority is something that comes before everything else. It precedes everything else, ahead of everything else. It is what is essential, foundational, and supreme to you. So when you talk about priority, what you're really saying is this, what in my life comes before anything else? What is before anything and everything else? That's the priority of priorities. And if I were to ask the average person on the street, hey, what's your priority today? I'd probably get a lot of different answers, not just one, for many it's family. For others it might be work, or maybe it's health, right? If I were to ask you today, sitting here, what is your ultimate priority right now? What's your priority? What's the thing that comes before everything else? And I told you to write it down. What would it be? Right now, what would it be functionally? This is an important question because here's the point. Whatever your priority is, whatever is prior in your life to everything else, whatever it is that you put first will define you it will inform you, and it will motivate everything else you do after that. And if you get it right, then everything can fall in place in the Christian life. But if you miss it, you end up stumbling and limping along in your Christian life. What's the priority that the Bible has? It's the priority that King David had when he wrote in Psalm 27, verse 4, One thing have I asked of the Lord. One thing shall I seek. It's the same priority that the Apostle Paul had in Philippians chapter 3 when he says, this is the one thing that I do. And it's the same priority that Jesus is telling Martha when he says in verse 42, there are many things, but only one thing is necessary. What is that? And it's very simple. It's to intimately know Jesus and to be intimately known by him. It's a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. That, I think, was what Jesus was trying to tell Martha. Okay? Now, don't get me wrong. Doing and serving are not only good things, they're necessary things, right? Mary wasn't, the point here, Mary wasn't just sitting on her butt all day while Martha was in the kitchen. How do I know this? Look at what Martha says in verse 40, and this is important. She says, don't you care that my sister has left me? In other words, Mary was working too. Mary was in the kitchen with Martha. Mary was serving alongside of Martha, doing what Martha was doing. But she left. She left early. And the reason why she left, the reason why Jesus commends Mary for that, was because Mary knew what she really wanted. And that was a personal FaceTime with this Jesus Christ, to hear, to listen, to talk to the Son of God. I mean, how often do you get that? So even though she, Mary, knew that getting it done in the kitchen was important, here's the point. She knew when to drop things in order to make time for what Jesus says was necessary. She chose the better part, as Jesus says, the best part. Both of these women, I think, love Jesus. But Martha is a doer. And the way she loved was by doing something. By the way, but the way Mary loved was more relational, Right? She spent time, she wants to spend time listening and talking. You know, those of us who are married or dating, you know what this is like. Oftentimes, the husbands are oftentimes very hardworking, but maybe they're very nonverbal. So if you ask them, Do you, are you loving your family? They say, yes, I'm loving my family. How? By giving them what they need, by providing them, by making money to provide what they need. And at the same time, the wife is dying for intimacy. Why? Because she says, I know you're working, but I want to know what's going on in your life. I want to know what's going on in your life. And the husband gets a little frustrated. She says, well, but look, I'm doing my part, right? And isn't this how many of us who are like Martha? Uh, that's the natural way we do it. We love by action. We love by doing something, by our efforts, by fulfilling our duties. And that's not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. But the danger in this is that in the midst of our doing, we forget the why. Why are we doing this? We forget the priority beyond the priorities. You know, in my previous church, we hosted a concert for this duo called Shane and Shane. Uh, you know, I think it was like literally, I think, close to 1,000 people, two, con- two, two sessions, packed house. Uh, so We needed volunteers from, from the church to help man it and uh, usher people in. And there was this one sister, so eager, so eager to volunteer for it. She was a big Shane and Shane fan, and so she volunteered for it. And the day of, everyone's busy setting up. You know who's working, because we're all wearing the same T-shirt. And and this one sister has the same Shane T-shirt, but she's going around with everybody. But as soon as Shane and Shane walks into the sanctuary, she drops everything. She's not doing anything. We had a limited number of people to man this huge concert, and here's the one you know, a few workers we have not doing anything. I was so frustrated. All she was doing was trying to get an autograph. Right, trying to take a picture, trying to get a selfie. I was so frustrated, so I went up to her and said, look, what are you doing? You need to go and help us, because we can't finish this in time unless you be part of this, right? She felt kind of bad, but she was honest. And she said, the only reason that I signed up to help out is because I just wanted to meet Shane and Shane. That was the only reason. But that's her goal. In her serving, her goal was not to get it done. It was to get FaceTime with the people that she admired. Right? Both Martha and Mary loved Jesus. But the difference between Martha and Mary was that Mary believed in doing too. She was there alongside Martha, but she left. Here's why. Because for her, the doing, the serving, the action, the work, was not the ends. It was a means to an end. And her end, Mary's end, her priority, was intimacy with Jesus Christ. You see that? The goal for Mary was a relationship with Christ. The goal in Martha's thing was what? To get the serving done. How do I know this? Here's a second P, prayer. Because look at the way Martha prays. You're like, wait, wait, where's, where's the prayer here? Well, there is a prayer in a broad sense. Uh, in fact, I'd argue as we go forward next week and the week after, this whole passage is really about prayer. Because what does Jesus talk about right after this incident? Teach us how to pray. That's what they ask him. So, as we begin to understand prayer, simply put, prayer is anytime you speak to Jesus. So, Martha speaks to Jesus and she asks for something, like many of us do when we pray. And what does she ask for? She says, Jesus, tell Mary to help me. And here's something where we learn something about prayer. When our priorities are skewed, okay? when we don't have Jesus as the end to all our means, then when we pray, we only pray to get things. We only pray to get things. And Martha was trying to get Mary to help more. But Mary, she probably prayed sitting at Jesus' feet to do what? To get more of Jesus. Not just to ask for stuff, but to praise him to adore him, to delight in his presence? Speaking to him, that was important. So she made that time. After all, if you have a Jesus who already fulfilled all the duties to get you in, did all the work to make you his, all the serving in order to get you close, then why are you doing and serving and working so hard for And so Mary was clear to get a closer Relationship with Jesus while Martha was working, always Martha, working, always straining. But in the midst of Martha's work, she missed out on a relationship and a time of intimacy with Jesus Christ. Now, which one are you? Which one do you relate with the most? How are you living your life today? Are you more like a Mary today or are you more like a Martha? How do you know? And the answer is this. Answer this question for me. How's your prayer life? Is there never enough time to pray? Then you're a Martha. When you do things, when you've got a list of things you've got to get done, do you only come to Jesus when things are falling apart, not getting done? Is that the only time you might say, God, I need you? Then you're probably a Martha. Or you make time to pray just to get him to get in his presence, to spend some time, to sit at his feet, so to speak. Is relationship with Jesus your priority? Because here's the truth. For some of us who are Marthas, we never got that relationship because we are so busy doing and serving, and we are surrounded in an environment where family and church and other Christians inspire and motivate us in and into the church. But you know the priority is not there. You know the priority is not there because as soon as you remove yourself from that kind of environment, all of a sudden, God doesn't seem real. There's no more desire to go to church, there's no more desire to pray. You are surrounded maybe with people who had a real relationship with Jesus, but you never got one yourself. But for the rest of us, maybe you think you do have a relationship, it's just dysfunctional. It's dysfunctional. You haven't spoken in a while. In fact, for some of us who are Martha's, we'd rather be busy spending hours doing something for the church or for people or for family or for God. We'd rather do that for hours than spend 20 minutes with God alone, talking to God and others, maybe, about how I've been feeling, how I've been doing, how I've been struggling, how I've been loving, intimacy. Don't get me wrong. Jesus wants you to serve, okay? Absolutely, He wants you to work. He wants you to serve. He loves action. Okay, that's absolutely true. But more than this, I want you to remember this. More than this, he wants you. Isn't that why he died? Isn't that why he died for you? Hey, I'm dying for you so you could work. No, that's not why he died. I'm dying for you so you could serve me. That's not why he died. He died so he says, I want you. He loves you. And the question is, don't you want him too? Won't you make time for him? Not just to serve, but also in prayer. Just with him, his word, even if it's alone. And so the question is, again, where is your priority? The reason I think we're starting off with this is this, okay? As we evaluate the church, and look where we're going to go ahead in the next few years or so, uh, as we look at the various ministries and the various things we need to do, want to do, and the various serving that we, that's been going on, okay? Many of you, did you know in our church, as small as it is, about 70, 80% of you are already serving in the church. That's a big majority for a church. Usually it's 20%. 70%, right? And that's awesome. But you know how, if you've been serving in the church for a long time, you know what that's like. It's also frustrating. Sometimes things don't get done the way you want it. Sometimes you're frustrated with people that you've got to work with. Sometimes you know that your goals aren't always met. It's frustrating. You're know, like, "Why am I doing this?" Look, let me encourage you, okay, not to stop serving, but to consider, and remember, why you're serving. Right. The goal of doing is not just to get it done. The goal of doing, because in the end. You want to bring people closer to Christ. Okay? And that includes you. And sometimes we need to take a break and sometimes we need to pray. But that's our focus, right? Priority and maybe some prayer, personal time. What's your priority today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you so much for your patience and your mercy. We pray, Lord, that as we serve, as we continue to be faithful, whether in the church, whether outside the church, whether in our homes with our families, our children, whether it's at work, um, we live fragmented lives where sometimes uh, none of those things seem to be connected or have anything in common with the other. But I just ask that you would help us to see that all of life is for you. And that all we do and all the things you give in and all the responsibilities we have, all the struggles and difficulties are under the umbrella of a sovereign God who says He loves us. And so we pray, even as we are busy and even as we need to get things done. And even as we need to serve, not just in the church, but our families, our children, people at work, wherever it might be, our neighbors, whatever that is, in our doing, we pray that we remember the priority that you have set for us. Many priorities. But beneath it all, we ask, help us to see a picture of what it means and what we do in order to bring people closer to you, and bring you closer to people. And so, Lord, we ask that you would remind these things again in our hearts and our lives. Help us to realign. Help us to readjust. Help us to remember. And help us to trust in you. And come to your feet and pray and to enjoy you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.